Hello and welcome to another episode of the Facilitator Missionary Podcast. This podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance for global partner missionaries in Phase 4 or 5 fields. Today, we're recording our conversation on the campus of Emmanuel Wesleyan Bible College in uh, Swaziland. My name is Randall Cheney and I'll be your host today. I serve here in Africa in theological education across the continent as a consultant with the Wesleyan Church. So we have the privilege today of chatting with uh, Joshua and Gloria Azakiwe. They are from Kenya, but they have been uh, living here in Swaziland recently. Uh, Both of them have uh, at least 30 years of ministry and uh, that they've been engaged in over the years. And uh, we are excited that they're here. Uh, Joshua accepted the, the role of principal at the Bible College in uh, end of 19, uh, sorry, end of 2019, and uh, as they have been here as a family uh, with two of their teenage boys since January of 2020. Uh, both are ordained ministers in the Wesleyan Church. They are both uh, students of Wesley's Seminary. Uh, Gloria working on an MDiv and Joshua about to finish an MA. Uh, they, um, besides actually. Uh, uh, Josh's work as the principal, uh, Gloria also does some adjunct teaching, and uh, she is giving oversight to the development of the Wesleyan Church in Kenya. So we're excited <clears throat> to have them here. As uh, facilitator missionaries, it's important uh, for us to listen to the concerns and perspectives of national leaders working to build the church. Um, so th- both Joshua and Gloria have a wealth of uh, ministry and leadership experience here in Africa, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to have them with us today. So welcome, guys, and thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, we are grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't we uh, just kind of start with a little bit of background. If you could just tell us, give us a glimpse of uh, uh, where you're from. You're, maybe you're calling into ministry, and we'll talk about maybe how you got connected with the Wesleyan Church. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll begin. Um, I was uh, raised and born in Nairobi, uh, the city of Kenya, and I became a Christian in '89. Uh, and, and of course, I'm from a non-Christian background. Uh, in uh, 1993, I joined my first Bible college uh, for a certificate in in, in Christian ministries essentially just to help me uh, with uh, ministering to the youth of which I was a leader at that time. Um, my joining the Wesleyan Church was never planned. Uh, we discovered it along the way when uh, the New Hope Church uh, planted the church in Kenya in 2014. Uh, that's when we discovered that there's actually a denomination known as the Wesleyan. And uh, from there we began to learn more about the Wesleyan Church. Yeah, um, I was born in Nairobi and raised in that environment of the city. And uh, my parents are Christians, so they gave us a very good foundation uh, in uh, the faith. And uh, while in high school, I got uh, elected into the Christian Union. and so uh, I 
as as the leader of the Christian Union, then it gave me a glimpse. It, it was almost like a pastoral ministry, because <laughs> uh, uh, you you are in charge of the church in the high school. So uh, yeah, that that started me off early uh, into understanding dynamics of being able to pastor people. Uh, after high school, I think it became clear that I had a call. And so at the age of 19, I got into Bible school and started my journey. Actually, the same Bible school he was in, in 93 also. I did join that and then started uh, my journey into undergraduate studies uh, that culminated in 2002. Uh, thereafter, I joined Nairobi Chapel and served on in their church planting department uh, it was there that I also developed uh, a passion for church planting and uh, urban ministries and uh, doing it with young people. Mm. And so, yeah, that's in a nutshell nice. what I would say about myself. Great, great. Well, thank you. Um, the, the, um, the last two years, uh, last year has been quite, quite, a, quite a year for everybody in the world. Uh, you guys, you guys made the move here to Swaziland. Yeah. You uh, were here on the ground maybe two months, and boom, shut everything <laughs> shut down. Uh, the world shut down. Yeah. Um, you've <clears throat> it's it's been a challenge, uh, I, I would say. But um, I, I want to ask, just has maybe how how has God been speaking to you in this season of your life? Um, I know we can talk about challenges of schools and stuff, but just personally, how has God been ministering to you? Um, let me begin. <clears throat> For me, um, one of the big takeouts of this season uh, has been being in a missionary space and not having control. Uh, when you're in your country and you're able to manipulate and maneuver and you have networks and people to call when things are not going right and there's just you just have you don't realize how much resource you have until you step out of that uh, yes that uh, environment into a new space where now you are dependent on the resources that are there and uh, working with the structures that are there. And so one of the things uh, in losing control, I have had to trust that God is in control. Uh, it, it has been a learning curve uh, because I, I like uh, controlling outcomes. <laughs> so it has been a learning curve, just learning to sit back and just trust that God has this. Just relax and just just let him let him work. He, he's nothing has caught him by surprise. Um, at first, I used to panic a lot, and then at at some point, I was like, "Okay, Gloria, you just need to relax. Even when you have no control, God does have control. Even in this situation, He has your back." And so that that for me. Uh, is learning to trust and depend on God's faithfulness to carry me through uh, has been the biggest takeout out of this season. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think in addition to what Gloria has mentioned, uh, on my part, there was an element of uh, learning to be patient. Learning to be patient as we wait for our documents to come through. And uh, while we are waiting for that, um, learning to serve wholeheartedly and just giving my best within what I'm capable of. And uh, <clears throat> I know other than the theological uh, experience I've had, uh, one of my gifting is is within the technical area. And, and that is something God has, has given me. And so I just decided to give it my best and be able to uh, ensure that the college uh, has what it needs uh, within that field. We had the choice of closing the school and uh, allowing uh, us just to be at home, uh, but we opted to continue and uh, yeah. So learning to serve as I wait patiently, that's yeah. that's a big take-up during this time. I believe God knows what he's doing and, mm. and in bringing you here, he knew yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, when you mentioned that the, um, the technical side, we've, the school has been able to make strides forward because of your, your, your uh, gifting. And um, I think that's, that's, it's been a huge step, not, not only here, but I think it's going to have a huge impact across in other areas of, of training. So, mm-hmm. so thank you for being faithful and thank you for being patient. <laughs> we're, we're, please, if you're listening to this, please pray because there's still paperwork issues that yes. we have no idea how they're going to work out. Yeah. But uh, God does, so mm-hmm. thank you. Thankfully. Yeah. <clears throat> So you guys have had a good perspective. I mean, you've, 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 you've worked in a lot of different areas, ministry, church planting, most recently here in theological education. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look across the, the, the landscape here, the church landscape specifically, mm-hmm. what are some of the critical challenges and needs facing the church today? In, in, and I'll just make it very general in Africa. Mm-hmm. Um. One of my greatest, let me just say, concerns about the church in Africa is the discipleship gap that exists. Um, I think the church uh, has made strides in evangelism and generally Christianity has thrived in the continent of Africa. But in the same breath of Christianity striving, there, is, there has been a growing gap in the area of discipleship. So that you have a situation where the, 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 we have a thriving Christian environment, generally in the continent of Africa, apart from some places, but there's a lack of depth a lack of um, a depth that results in godly living that would be transformative for communities. I think that to me is my greatest concern about the church in Africa. And I would say that um, as, as, we, as, we keep, as we keep moving, uh, the, the church is churning out leaders and uh, people in very influential spaces in in the continent of Africa. But with the lack of discipleship, we are 
having a situation where uh, leadership is also wanting to a certain extent. Um, and we are having a lot of malfunctioning of, of, of leaders uh, in the church and Christian leaders also in other spaces of, of uh, sectors of society. That people who are meant to be reputable, uh, godly people, uh, because of a lack of uh, a mentorship process that just uh, enabled them to grow, uh, a process that allowed for accountability structures that enabled them to grow and 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 develop in their faith, that aspect lacking, then we have an. I don't want to call it an immature um, space of leadership development, but uh, there's just something that is wanting. It's a, it's a bit ineffective. In ineffective, some ways. yes, yeah. mm-hmm. ineffective. Yeah. And so, for me, that is the greatest, greatest uh, need and concern that I have for the church in Africa. And, and maybe just to be practical in that, uh, we see uh, Christian, or rather believers, uh, who get elected in uh, the political space. And these are church leaders, some are even bishops. And when they get into government, they get as corrupt as the other people. Yeah. They just so lose that, it. That, 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 that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um... Well, this that is a big issue, and I think it's worldwide. I <laughs> not just Africa, but it shows up a lot here. I think you're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, if we look for solutions, I, I I do believe, and I've often believed that theology does matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, but as a as a church and even as a denomination, um, do we have a voice that's speaking loud enough? Because we, we really believe in transformational living, holiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that message clear enough in the church? Um, yeah, this is not on my notes. So sad, sadly, I would say in the continent of Africa, maybe not. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Um, the loudest gospel voice we hear is what we would call the prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were in Bible school, when I was doing my uh, final year, uh, I we covenanted with friends because we were concerned about the fact that the prosperity gospel and uh, was just sweeping across. Mm-hmm. And we realized it was going to be very hard to stay faithful to sound theology. Uh, and in the face of this growing movement. And so what we did was we covenanted and said, okay, we will stay true. It may not be an easy path, especially because uh, many people have settled for this cheap grace, you know. It may not be an easy path, but I think uh, we will see fruit as we stay the course. And I I would want to say this, that uh, having persisted in uh, on that path and uh, ensured that as we do ministry we are um, striving to remain balanced 
in our theologizing mm-hmm. so that even in our discipleship processes in everything we are doing we are maintaining a sound uh, theology of what we teach people yeah. in our training processes even as we raise leaders and so what we discovered is it is a slow painstaking process the guy next door is probably his church is growing faster because of settling for a cheap grace, easy you know, message easy message, yeah. you know, <laughs> people feel good, you know, every Sunday as you persist. But over time, you discover that the quality of ministers or church, church, church members that you raise is different you know they they understand the gospel and there's a level you, you 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 because in the discipleship process there is accountability structures people are genuinely growing in their faith yeah. and there's just a genuine testimony of holiness yeah. i remember people coming to church and saying i ever since i came here i just feel god is working in my life in, in the choices I'm making out there, I don't want, I want to please him. I want to do what is right in the eyes of God, even when no one is seeing. And you see, for me, those are the greatest testimonies that there is a passion for holiness at a very personal level, even when no one is seeing. And so, so I think, yes, over time, it's a, it's in our context, it's, sometimes difficult to stay the cause in sound theology and maybe you don't bear quick fruit, you know, <laughs> and people don't show up, you know, very quickly. But I think the quality of Christians you eventually raise make impact mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. from a genuine platform. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned several times the issue of discipleship, uh, accountability. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what can the Wesleyan Church do to do a better job on accountability? <laughs> on accountability and issues like that, as we uh, as we disciple. Yeah, I hear um, you. And and, and I, I uh, well, maybe let's 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 take it. You have this this. Mm. We, we'll go to the issue. You're you're over the uh, a very young mm. um, beginning of a Wesleyan Church in yes. Kenya. Yes. As you, as you look at shaping things, yes. Maybe just just share some of your vision. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, as as I as I <laughs> as you can tell from my passion, um, basically the vision of the Wesleyan Church is we exist to raise godly men. And women. That's in our vision statement. Yeah. We exist to raise godly men and women to lead and transform communities with the message of God's love. And so our heart is is not just to churn out leaders and you know and church, plant churches and feel good churches have been planted. Just, no, not just to give them a certificate. No, not to give them a certificate, you know. No, 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 no. Our vision is to raise godly servants of God. Yeah. People who understand holiness. Yeah. Um, 
and who are committed to actually spreading right. scriptural holiness. Uh, and of course, that's also the bigger vision of the Wesleyan Church. And so then in terms of how we think of implementing it, one of the things, and you've mentioned accountability, one of the things that in, and, and I go back to the whole aspect of discipleship and training, um, if our training models and discipleship models don't have a component of accountability so that people understand that, you know, and are gently motivated in relational environments to actually, um, uh, to, to actually uh, sort of like uh, grow mm-hmm. in their faith, uh, then faith can easily navigate towards an individual thing, yeah. you know. My Bible school training can be a very individual thing. I'm here for the certificate, you know. It really doesn't impact my life. My discipleship process doesn't impact my life. I'm just here to fulfill the requirements of the church or the getting of the certificate. And then when I'm out, it has no bearing on how I live or the ministry I dispense to people. Is lacking. And so the component that misses is usually the accountability process. And how do we do that? How do we incorporate that? It has to come from an intentionality in our training processes, in our discipleship processes, to ensure that as we are discipling or as we are training, even theologically, that we are keeping tabs on how this is impacting, first of all, the individual and how eventually it's going to impact their ministry out there. We used to joke in Bible school. We used to say, you know, you can go through Bible school, but the Bible school didn't go through you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so I don't don't like that, but I like to say. Yes. (laughs) So, you, you can do training, you can be discipled, but is it having an impact, a transformational impact on your life? that ensures that this is something that will last. And this needs to be in the DNA. It has to be in the DNA. And there also has to be some accountability structures that help people gently navigate in that direction of intentional growth. Uh, It's, you know, this, I I do think that's one of the greatest needs. I, I, um, just looking again at the the church, I mean, considering uh, the, the beginning of what's happening in, in uh, the church with pastors you you have in Kenya and, and even around Africa, we've seen a lot of growth. Um, but in this, what, what kind of potential do you see for the church? Um, I'm assuming you're asking for the church in Africa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're just keeping you bring it down to just talking about you, uh, the, the area that you're of your responsibility in Kenya. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, well, we could talk about Swaziland for that. Yeah, <laughs> let me say this. Um, the, the church in Africa, um, especially the Wesleyan church in Africa, is largely rural. And 
one of the things that has been a major opportunity for us as a church is being able to consider urban areas urban of ministries, yeah. urban ministries of Africa. Mm-hmm. And if you look at just the statistics, um, of course, Africa has, they say, uh, 1.2 billion people in Africa. But look at the numbers of people living in cities. For instance, in uh, 2021, uh, Kinshasa, that is the Democratic Republic of Congo, has 14.9 million people in that space of the city. That's a, a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Just Lagos uh, in Nigeria by 2021, uh, the estimates are 14.8 million. Uh, Nairobi just, we did a census, uh, when was it? 2019. 2019. This is 20. This is 2016. And they are talking about 4.7 million people. And so you find that even though uh, a large percentage of Africa is in the rural space, people are migrating into the cities for opportunities, for jobs, for what and what. And it's creating certain interesting dynamics and opportunities for ministry. And then you find because Africa is a young continent, a majority of the population, 70% of Africa's population is below 30, you find that it's a youthful continent and a youthful workforce that is pouring into the cities for college, for work, for many things, and they never go back to the rural space. Mm -hmm. So there is such opportunity, but... Sadly, that in many situations, the cities have not been the main areas of focus. And maybe this is an opportunity for us as the Wesleyan Church to actually consider beginning to think of our cities, especially in this continent of Africa. That's a very, very good observation. And... um, <clears throat> Amazing, you know, just the opportunities that lie there. Not only with the young yes. generation, but mm. they're often in a in a, a time of their life when they're seeking, they're forming new identities. Yes, fact, yes. And that needs to be. That's where we yeah. can we can really influence. Influence. And, and I think in addition to that, as you're talking about uh, training, I think we also need to be intentional um, that we are training leaders who can handle urban ministries mm-hmm. and so putting in that DNA in their training and, and I think part of what we desire to see in Kenya is that before a person takes on the mantle of a pastor he should at least have gone through some basic trainings yeah. uh, through the training centers that we pray that God will set up for us in Kenya. So urban ministries ought to be an essential part, an integral part in the training of this pastor so that they are able to to do ministry within the urban space. Yeah. yeah. Um, in this regard, we're going to just skip ahead here. I had a question that I wanted to just, I guess, pose as it is. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, where you're, this, this is for missionaries that, that, are, that are working with maturing or already established churches. And, and um, how best can GP, as a mission organization, how best can we work to facilitate the ministry that's taking place here mm-hmm. uh, on the continent or even with you there in Kenya? Um, I mean, the, the, the blunt question is, what do you need from us? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Good question. <laughs> and it's against the backdrop of what we've already shared. Mm-hmm. We need missionaries who can come and plant urban churches. Church planters who can come into the urban space, plant churches. And why we are saying this is, it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joshua and I show up in the church planting arena. Our politics already is so bipartisan. And so when people discover which tribes we are from, then it determines who comes to the church. Sometimes, unfortunately, that's how mm-hmm. some of our uh, politics affects the church in in our contexts. Okay. A foreigner shows up, and you have no inclination towards any. <laughs> you're a magnet to all. You're, you're just a magnet <laughs> for everyone, and so people trust you a lot more easier. And they come because they don't see you as politically uh, inclined to You're any... You're not carrying a political baggage. You're not carrying political baggage. You're not carrying anything. And so our, our thought processes was if we can have missionaries coming to partner alongside, mm-hmm. plant churches in our urban spaces alongside us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That's and you think working together, working, working together, together exactly. so that it first of all it diffuses that political thing that impacts us when we plant churches. It gives credibility for the church on the ground, but then also what it does is that it ensures for structures because there's just something about the West that has been blessed with structure to a certain extent. And so it gives structure, it gives accountability. We, we learn these things as you also learn from us. You know, uh, we, we bring relationships. Uh, Africa is rich continent in, <laughs> in a relational way. And so we learn from each other. And so at the end of the day, you find um, these churches being very uh, established and strong churches because of their foundations. I know this is a different, maybe, model. I don't know. Uh, I'm not very familiar with how, uh, as, 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 as the Wesleyan Church, we, we handle church planting. But I would like to invite the uh, missionaries to actually come to plant church with a specific focus. Of church planting. Or even coming alongside uh, some of the young churches that have been planted and mm. uh, probably just like coming and serving as an intern. Mm. Uh, what that also would, would, would help in is that uh, it will also be able to give 
these missionaries a clearer perspective of what Africa looks like in this time you know mm. in this in this period and and probably as Gloria is using the word uh, political I know it may not be clear especially to our missionaries but I think in the West you talk about uh, churches that are multi-ethnic mm. uh, here we here our multi-ethnicity is, is, is tribal mm. so you find if a pastor comes from a certain tribe then it's he'll attract people from that particular yeah, yeah. tribe in as much as they are all black so to speak you know yeah, yeah. yeah. and so getting somebody who is different uh then attracts people from all uh, segments of our society and thereby just gives it, it gives yes. it, yeah. yes. exactly. it facilitates the yeah. blending it <laughs> so that's the challenge blend. we have yes. yeah so that's our biggest challenge right now especially in kenya mm. uh with with the multi uh, multi-ethnic parties and all that uh, the country is so divided that uh, it's it's difficult to have a pastor of a different tribe uh, serving in an area that is opposing to his tribe. And so, yeah. those are, those are the, and so in the city, it plays out very well uh, because every, all the tribes are in the city. So you find that uh, particular churches belong to certain tribes and we don't want that to happen in the Wesleyan. Yeah. We want yeah. our Wesleyan church to be to be diverse, diverse. Because that's the body of Christ. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And so uh, we want to allow this to be part of the foundation because we are a young church we have the opportunity to actually shape mm-hmm. the way the church is going and so yeah. uh, and especially as we are talking about planting churches in the urban spaces we, we have the opportunity to actually shape that mm-hmm. because Kenya is a new work yeah. uh, and, and generally also I would say this for other African uh, countries um, that would provide that opportunity for missionaries to go and plant churches we need churches in the cities yes yeah and, and let me also add uh, in addition to having our missionaries coming in uh, right now in Kenya we the government has changed some some laws uh, regarding uh, how churches are administered and how they are registered and all that in fact right now you can't register a church a new church in Kenya and so what that then means that uh, they, 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 we need a secretariat that would be able to oversee all these churches. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen, then, of course, we'll need some technical skills, so to speak, uh, from GP and, and such organizations on how to manage and run uh, such secretariats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gloria is going back to Kenya now so that she's able to take on uh, some returns back to the Attorney General. Um, and so you see there's those legal issues and, and all that that, that we need to administration have. Administration, yes. Yeah. And I think GP has some experience in that. And so and that is an area. find somebody that has experience <laughs> in Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that's another area that uh, we think we'll need uh, to, 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 to have in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, as we continue to, to, to see a receptivity to the gospel, I really believe that, the, you know, the... The church, in general, the, the the church here has a great opportunity to influence the world in, mm-hmm. in a big way. True, very true. Um, and our world is changing fast. Oh yes, it's, just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, God knows what He's doing. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I'm excited. There are a lot of challenges I know um, yeah. facing, yeah. but uh, well, any any this has been good. I have I've thoroughly enjoyed. 
uh, visiting with you guys. I um, is there any last closing thoughts that you might have that you want to just um, leave us with as we uh, as we consider? Let me let me leave the thoughts to Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Uh, ministry in any capacity is a challenge, yet it's a mandate. And when we give ourselves to serving God as missionaries, um, there are a lot of challenges. Just being able to be in a place you're a foreigner uh, as much as you blend in as much, <laughs> the best way you know how uh, you still uh, somehow carry that label of a foreigner around but um, because God has called us into these spaces to serve him uh, it's easy for us to uh, especially in this season of the pandemic, I don't know how it's panning out in different places with different missionaries, but it's been a challenge all over. And yeah. it has added a, a, a dynamic uh, that none of us were really prepared for. But one of the things that has been an encouragement, and I'll just end with a scripture, uh, is in Hebrews, I keep turning to this scripture just to encourage myself that God has this and he, he has not forgotten us <laughs> as we serve him. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians as you still do. And so for me, that's usually the encouragement and the impetus to keep serving, keep being a blessing to his people, to God's people. Because at the end of the day, God has this. And he is encouraging us that, uh, you know, at the, he's, he's the one with the reward, ultimately. Uh, even though sometimes you do ministry and you're not getting immediate rewards or, you know, you're not being paid <laughs> immediately. But at the end of the day, God has our reward as we serve him faithfully yes. yes well thank you thank you for that and thanks thanks for taking the time to be a part of this podcast um and i just want to say personally it's so what, what a privilege it is to work with with you uh your your spirit your uh your your your, your grace that you you uh, serve god with and we we thank you for it so thanks again so that's a wrap for now, and uh, we just want to, uh, well, we hope you enjoy this, this conversation that we've had. And if you do, you can go ahead and turn over to the Facilitator Missionary Facebook and uh, chime in with some, co uh, some comments or some conversation there. And until next time, take care, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.